Welcome to another BJSM podcast. My name is Jill Cook, Deputy Editor of BJSM. Our topic today is apophyseal injuries in adolescence. It's a common clinical condition where I think our knowledge lags behind our clinical practice. My guest today is Dr. Mathieu Saley. Mathieu is a French sports physician with a specific interest in musculoskeletal ultrasound and adolescent athletes. He first worked with a professional rugby team and a sports academy and then moved to Doha, Qatar for several years to become the head of the Aspire Academy Medical Centre. Here he worked extensively with highly trained adolescent athletes and developed experience on growth-related injuries and the long-term development strategies for immature athletes in various sports. He's recently moved to Lausanne in Switzerland where he's currently running a private practice and looks after various sports cohorts from ballet dancers to team sports. He's the medical doctor for the Swiss Rugby Federation and continues to research injuries in young athletes. Welcome, Mathieu. Thanks, Jill. Thanks. Thank you for your kind introduction. Very pleased to be with you today for the BJSM podcast. Could we start with a really basic question and I think one that a lot of us don't understand is what's the underlying pathology of apophyseal injuries? Yes, sure. Uh, I think before moving forward to the injury side, let's, let's go to the basic and to the physiological uh, point. Uh, an apophysis is basically the insertion of the tendon on a bony prominence, and uh, this will go through, uh, through three stages of maturation. Uh, it's just basic, but I think it will, it will be uh, of interest in, uh, in, the, in the discussion. The first stage is a, a, the cartilaginous stages. Basically, the tendon insert on just cartilage. Then, progressively, um, this cartilage will become bone. And we move to the second stage where it's the enchondral ossification. Progressively, some bony island will um, slowly, slowly um, grow within the cartilage. And at the end, we, we end up with a mature and bony attachment. So it's interesting because most of the apophyseal injuries will occur during this enchondral ossification phase. And then if we go to, to the literature, it's widely accepted that gross cartilage, sizes are mechanically weaker than bone. So by extension, the, the, nowadays the, the accepted theory is that we have forced, applied an, an immature tendon insertion made of gross cartilage, and it, this will create some mechanical stress and pain. So then on the injury side, we can define, I think, two types of injuries. The macrotraumatism, where you have an acute muscle contraction and you can avulse the apophysis. It's quite well described in, in the tibial tuberosity, the ischial tuberosity, the anterior inferior iliac spine, especially in soccer players. And I think here the traction forces are the main, uh, the main force. Then the second type of injury is more microtraumatism, and the symptoms onset could be either subacute or progressive. And the repeti repetitive stress 
are the main factors. And this is what we usually call apophysitis or traction apophysitis. That's a fantastic introduction to it. So we call it apophysitis. So is there inflammation in these conditions? <laughs> this is a good question. Um, I would say grammatically, yes, we call it apophysitis. Clinically, yes, because in some apophysitis where it's very uh, close to the skin, like tibial tuberosity or calcaneal uh, apophysis, we will find a local pain, swelling, sometimes an increase of local temperature. So yeah, it, it fits to the inflammation definition. On a radiologically point of view, I would say yes, maybe. If we look carefully at X-rays and the soft tissue, we could find, for example, in Osgood-Schlatter disease, some wavy shape of the tendon, some ir irregularity in the shape of the tendon. On the ultrasound, yes, we will find some Doppler activity within some structures. On MRI, with the fluid-sensitive sequences, Yes, again, we will find hypersignal within the growth cartilage, within the distal tendon. But then, on the histological point of view, I'm really, really not sure. Um, I've, I've worked on um, Osgood Schlatter uh, using ultrasound. So basically, just to give a quick background, we compare two cohorts. One was uh, young athletes suffering from Osgood Schlatter disease and the other one was a comparison group. Same age, same training pattern, et cetera, et cetera. So why is the ultrasound? It's quick, it's dynamic, no radiation, and you can assess the soft tissues, the tendon, bursa, fat pads, and you can assess partially apophysis. The weakness is you don't approach the physis. So basically, we, we just took some work done before by a doucher and a co-workers, and we developed a, a grading a maturation staging. So basically, as we said before, the first stage of maturation is the cartilaginous stage. Then we move to the second stage where it's unchondral ossification. The third will be a mature apophysis with an open physis. And the last one, the fourth, is a mature apophysis with a closed physis. And then we, we compare both groups. And what we found is the main difference between the two groups, so the pain-free and the painful, happen during the onchondral ossification phase, where the painful group has Doppler activity within the distal tendon. Additionally, we found out that these people are the most painful. So we record the pain through a vast scale on palpation and resisted contraction. And we found out that people who had this onchondral ossification plus Doppler activity within the tendon were the more um, were suffering the more. So what does it tell us? It's probably Osgood's letter has always been seen as um, a suffering of the uh, the ossification center, and we probably should add that there is maybe this suffering of the growth cartilage, but there is also a tendon involvement. And lastly, uncontrolled ossification may be a, risk, a risky period to develop this tendon pathology. 
Okay, so you think there's obviously a link between the development of the apophysitis and development of pathology within the tendon? Yes, yes, because uh, we never seen any Doppler activity or really or change in the tendon structure in the other stages. I mean, in cartilaginous stage, I've never found any uh, Doppler activity within a tendon. And in the mature uh, stage, I, I've never seen ever any Doppler activity. So I think this is a critical and crucial point. There is some work from uh, Benjamin on, on uh, antithesis, extensive work from Benjamin. And he described quite well how the onchondral ossification is, is developing. So basically, you have some vessels growing within the cartilage. And everything is, is leading by some growth factors, and especially VEGF. And we know that VEGF can be upregulated with traction, but especially compression forces. And I think it's just a theory at this point is because of the stress at this particular time of maturation, we could have an upregulation of these growth factors, and we could explain that we have this Doppler activity within the tendon and then the pain. So that's very much a picture that we see in Osgood Schlatter. Do you think that Sever's disease is the same? Because I'm not, I've not seen them with such florid clinical signs. They appear just to have pain. Yeah, I agree. I agree that Sever disease is a bit uh, different because of the anatomy, I guess. Um, it's interestingly, uh, sever disease is, uh, is probably the most uh, uh, studied uh, pathology. Um, it, from sever disease, we acknowledge that the fragmentation of the ossification center was not a specific sign of apophysitis because we can see either in pain-free population and painful population. So. Then about the tendon, I think the insertion of the tendon are very diff different from the severe disease and the Osgood-Schlatter disease. And it's, I think all apophysis will probably react in a different way depending the way the fibers will insert. When you look at the Osgood-Schlatter disease and the tibial tuberosity, the fibers most of the time will bridge this uh, apophyseal area and will insert just few centimeters away. In the, sever, in the um, Achilles tendon, we know also that the tendon will not just stop at the upper part of the calcaneus, but will just bridge slightly uh, the, um, the apophyseal uh, from the calcaneus. And I agree with you that I've found very uh, much less tendon pathology in the severe disease compared to the Osgood-Schlatter disease. You talked originally about macro and micro pathology and we see in um, apophyses around the hip that they tend just to go with um, a sudden contraction. Do you think that these Apophyses have micropathology before they have an avulsion in a single incident. That perhaps the micropathology we don't, um, there's no pain associated with it. Yes, uh, 
in the literature, if you go, you, you see absolutely no link between microtraumatic form, I mean Osgood-Schletter, for instance, and avulsion. So, in other words, um, a child suffering from o OSD is not at higher risk to avulse his apophysis. So, and I think, again, there, there has been some uh, shortcuts made uh, where traction uh, has always been seen as the key component. Um, just to give an example, OSD has been described in 1907 or 1908 by Osgood and Schletter, who were two orthopedic surgeons. And this description were, was, was based on avulsion. And then we move to the chronic form saying that so pro avulsion is mainly due to traction, so probably the chronic forms are also made by traction forces. But we, we know now that how to, then how to explain a subacute apophysial injury. I mean, we see quite often Osgood-Schletter disease um, starting with a fall on the knee. So the, the child just falls on his knee and gets this sore area around the tibia tuberosity. Where is the traction forces there? I don't know. It's the same with the severe disease. I have a couple of cases where it was children who just fell down and had a brutal landing on the floor. Again, where is the, the traction forces? Thank you, Matthew. But for the clinicians out there, could you give me some idea of what you think the best treatment might be? Yes. Uh, this is a $1 million question because if you look at the literature on apophysial injury, it's, there is very, very few uh, papers on that. Just an easy way to assess it. You go to PubMed, you, you type, you search apophysitis. For the two past years, you will find around 10 references. Just type hamstring. You will find 400, more than 400 references. Then there is, so there is very few research. Then the, the quality of the research are usually low-level evidence, case report, literature review. So that means we don't have answers for what is the best treatment or the best management. So um, it, it will stay my opinion. And uh, I think the best, the best treatment option will remain the prevention, as, as usually. You need, we need to monitor the training load. We need to monitor this load on the different sites. And I think the baseball league did a great job on that um, to prevent the little league syndrome, which is uh, an apophysitis of the medial epicondyle. Uh, they just uh, create a, a, a sharp and they allow a certain amount of throw for the youth players depending on their age and depending on their maturation. And I think it's a great way to do. I, I, I know that in other sports where there is multitask, multidirectional involvement, it will be more a challenge. But to choose a, a, only one movement, like in soccer, do we need to, to, to monitor the kick? Do we need to monitor the sprints? But I think it's... A, it's it's something we should think about in, in some sports. Then we, I think we need to monitor the symptoms uh, and closely, uh, like we, we, we are doing with uh, RPEs, related perceived exertion, exertion scale. 
uh, we could use a vast scale and ask uh, after each week, how do you feel, is it painful, and so on and so on. And then we will be able to adapt uh, uh, accordingly the training load uh, and to allow the, the, the athletes to, to stay in an acceptable amount of symptoms. Um, on the prevention side, uh, I'm using also ultrasound, and it was more uh, when I was working in, in, the, in the academy, the sports academy. Basically, at the pre-season phase, I usually monitor uh, uh, the apophysis, and if uh, the athlete uh, was in the uncontrolled phase, for me, they were red flagged and they were at risk. And we, we try to monitor, to adapt the, the load, the training load. And then what we, we learned also through our uh, extensive screening in this academy is most of the people with poor neuromuscular control or balance will be at risk. So I think it's also something we, we need to work with is to get these uh, kids move uh, on the proper way and in the controlled way. Then uh, when I, I look, uh, when I manage uh, athletes suffering from apophysial injuries, a key is for me education and communication. You really, really need to get the support and the trust of every component of the athletes' uh, relatives. I mean, coaches, family, athletes, even the family doctor must understand, must communicate together to get a good result. Going back to, going to the, the treatment, um, again, you will find many, many ways, many, many reports in the literature. It's, it will go from immobilization with a splint, with a cast, you, you can just rest them, total rest, and wait and see. Uh, then you can have rest with physiotherapy. You can have partial rest where you will adapt the training. You will uh, direct the kids to other sports with or without physiotherapy. You have taping, insoles. Some people are using um, anti-inflammatory. And more recently, I've, I've found... A, uh, in pediatrics and Argentinian study who use prolotherapy, so basically glucose injection uh, in OSD. So this is a wide range of treatment options. Um, my, my in my practice, I'm using uh, an easy algorithm. Is If my clinical exam and my history, I have pain uh, in the daily life, very painful symptom at provocation test and especially contraction test. I, if at the ultrasound assessment I see the onchondral ossification with Doppler, I will go for complete rest and I will send him to physiotherapy. Then the second case is pain is just during training. Um, they are in the onchondral ossification stage with a, a little bit of Doppler then I will adapt the training load. I will modify some, some, uh, some training. I will avoid some movements and I will send them again to the physiotherapist. Then if in my clinical examination, 
the pain is not so high, and they, they are not in this onchondral ossification phase, so they are in the cartilaginous phase or they are mature. I go just for training, uh, monitoring, and prevention program. And on the physiotherapy, what, and uh, this is a, a work I've done with different physiotherapists uh, here in Lausanne, is okay, what to do with an apophysial injury? Because they always, yeah, we, we don't have the strong proof of an evidence. So I think the first key is analgesic strategies with local cryotherapy, isometric contraction in, the, in, in an adaptive range of motion to minimize the compression load. And it seems to work quite well with adult tendon. And I, I get some pretty good results also with apophysitis. Stretching can be also part of the program. And then I really, really focus on postural motor control work on basic movement like squat, single leg squat, lunge, etc. And then slowly, slowly, we have to move to a, a progressive loading um, with a sports activity and so on and so on. And I think a key also is to follow the patient and to assess them on a regular basis. Matthew, thank you so much for those wonderful clinical insights and, and thank you for your, the research that you're doing. We look forward to reading more about what you're doing and uh, thanks for your time with BJSM. Thank you, Jill. Speak to you soon. <laughs>